So if you can't preach after that, you ought to get out of the ministry, I'll tell you what. It's good stuff. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Amy. Musicians. So, I'm not David. Uh, David is in Tennessee with his family. Uh, they, uh, they're doing Christmas up there uh, with Michelle's side of the family, I believe. Did I, where did she go? I was going to ask Hannah Grace to make sure I got that right. But uh, she comes back. Oh, oh, extended care. Okay, well, I'll claim I got that right. Y'all can ask him later. Um, so, uh, let's get down to business. Uh, we're having a kid. Uh, Mallory and I are. And uh, we're having a daughter. Okay. Uh, we're having a girl, uh, most of, not most of you, a lot of you probably already knew that, heard of that. If you do the social media thing, you knew that. Uh, anytime uh, there's the announcement of a, a baby coming, that's exciting news, right? Uh, unless it's that. Um, we're having a baby boy and I'm not the father. Um, I'm glad somebody laughed. I, I told some of our teenagers this week, we, uh, I met some of them at the mall for lunch, uh, a significant number of our homeschool kids, and then a couple of our students that um, are not homeschooled but pretended to be homeschooled for that day. Uh, they said that their finals were over and they were just coming to hang out with us. I, I guess that's true. Um, but uh, I told them my title, uh, and a couple of them uh, looked at me very confused. Uh, one of them in particular said, um, you're having a boy? And then they realized the second half of my title, and then they got very confused. Um, and so I figured that before we got into that, I should clarify that uh, and make sure that we were good on that. So, uh, but the, it is true that any time that uh, you uh, hear about the news of a baby coming forward, uh, then it, it's exciting news. Uh, you want to share that with people. And uh, it's an exciting time as you prepare for the birth of that baby. Uh, I know it is for us. Uh, Mallory is sick every morning um, and every afternoon and every evening. Uh, she's already lost six pounds. Uh, with Madison, she lost about 12 pounds before she finally gained her first uh, pound of weight. And uh, so uh, for her, it's not so exciting right now, uh, but for the rest of the family, it is. Uh, but we do know, we have to be honest about the fact that not all births um, are exciting to everyone. And we understand that uh, because of different circumstances. Uh, if you were in the shoes of Joseph, uh, as you had heard that the wife uh, that you were betrothed to uh, was pregnant, and you knew the limits of where your relationship had been with Mary, uh, the likelihood is, is that his first human response um, was not necessarily a response of excitement. And in this passage of Scripture today, what we're going to see is how Joseph responds to this news, uh, but we're also going to see uh, in the response that's given to Joseph um, who Jesus really is and, and what that means to us. So if you'll take uh, God's word and you'll turn it to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 18 down through verse 25. And if you'll go ahead once you find that, if you'll stand with me as we honor God's word this morning. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you that as we look at this story that we've heard so many times in our life, Lord, that we will see it through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. And that we will see this story not just for who Joseph was and his character and not just for this crazy situation that he found himself in, but that we will see this story, Lord, for the fact that you are God with us, that you are our Savior, that you are our Lord. And Lord, that requires a response from us. Lord, we ask you to bless the preaching of your word this morning. We ask you, Lord, to be with us, Lord, as we have our time of response and invitation in about half an hour or so, Lord. And Lord, I ask you that these, this altar, Lord, would not be empty, but that it would be full of people who are seeking out what you've called them to do. That, Lord, you would break our hearts this morning with excitement. And I know that sounds crazy. But break our hearts with such excitement, Lord, that, that this time of Christmas becomes a catalyst for us in our spiritual walk with you. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Am I dead or I'm not on? Am I Nope. Yes. Better. I can yell real loud, so, but this will save my voice a little bit, so thank you. We're going to look at four different things this morning when it comes to the birth of Jesus and this announcement of his birth to Joseph. Uh, the first thing we're going to see are the circumstances surrounding Mary and Joseph. The circumstances surrounding Mary and Joseph. Now, if you look in verse 18 there, it says very clearly that Mary was betrothed to Joseph uh, before they came together, and then she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, to understand the significance of what's taking place, you have to understand the three steps to a Jewish marriage. There was first the step of engagement, where that the uh, families of, of the uh, uh, to-be husband and wife were basically uh, uh, in contract together uh, to set this whole deal up. Then there was the step of betrothment. Now, when you were betrothed to someone, it, it was a period of time, around a year, uh, that allowed you to be known to the public as being together. Uh, this was not a time where there were sexual relations that was taking place. Uh, this was not a time where you lived together. But yet this was a time in which uh, you, uh, you sort of worked out the details of the contract, so to say. Uh, it was also a time to allow you to fall in love uh, with one another. Uh, isn't that interesting how that worked with marriage back then? They chose to fall in love with one another. Uh, just chase a real quick rabbit, five seconds. By the way, if we would understand in our world today that love is a choice, uh, we'd have a whole lot less divorces. Just throw that out there. And then what you would have is at the end of that year, you would have the actual marriage celebration. Now, when you were betrothed, uh, it had all the legal caring and ramifications of being married. So as a result of that, uh, when Mary came to Joseph and said, Hey, I'm pregnant. Uh, the problem there is that now uh, Joseph knows that's not his kid, but yet legally 
they are bound. And the only way to get out of that was a divorce. And so uh, that is uh, the situation that they find themselves in. Now, on top of that, you have to realize uh, that it wasn't easy being a woman during that period of time. Uh, everything that you were and your identity and uh, your security was all based upon your family. And then once uh, it went from your family, it would go to your husband. You got that? And, and so if you're not in your father's house, in your family's house, and you're not in the house of your husband, that creates a significant issue for you. And on top of that, we have to remind ourselves that here is Mary, who history would tell us is somewhere between the age of 12 and 16, if you look at culturally when people got married during that period of time. Now, some folks uh, will argue that she was 14 to 16. I think that makes it easier for us to swallow, you know. Uh, but yet, many historians will tell you that if you were over the age of 14 by the time you got married, that was old for marriage during that period of time. So we're talking about a very young teenage girl who has found out that she's pregnant, and now she has to relay this information to her husband-to-be, who already legally has all the rights of the husband except for the living together part of it. That's not a fun circumstance to find yourself in. Not only would that have a negative uh, uh, effect on Mary and her future, but as you can imagine, that would have a negative effect on even Joseph and what others might have said, what others might have thought. So this is one of those pregnancies that early on, Joseph probably wasn't real excited about. So we see the circumstances surrounding Mary and Joseph. But secondly, I want you to see this morning the character of Joseph. Verse 19 says this, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20 says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And then you go down to verse 24 and verse 25 after uh, the angel shows up. In the dream, and it says, Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, as I was preparing for this this week, I, uh, I was looking through, obviously, a lot of uh, different books and so forth. And, and one of the guys I came across said this about Joseph. He said that Joseph was a man of justice Joseph was a man of discretion. Joseph was a man of piety, of obedience, and of self-discipline. He was a man that was just, tender, and merciful. It says in verse 19 that he did not want to bring Mary to public shame. Now, we uh, know, uh, because of what historians have told us, that if you were in the situation that Mary was in and you were pregnant, uh, and, and clearly your husband-to-be uh, showed up and said, Hey, this is not my baby, uh, we're getting divorced, uh, this is over, then the problem is, is that under Judaic law, they would immediately assume that you had committed adultery, and therefore the punishment was death by stoning. So what does Joseph decide to do? Joseph says, I'll put her away secretly. I'll put her away privately. Uh, the law then uh, allowed you that if you were going to have a divorce, uh, that what you could do is that you could literally hand them uh, that writ of divorce in front of just two or three witnesses. 
and, and not give a reason for that divorce. Uh, and, and that would allow the, 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 the betrothal to just sort of go away. Nobody really ask any questions. And that's the plan that Joseph has. Now, that's really not too bad of a plan if we are just looking at it from an earthly standpoint. Really, right? Uh, that's why we see uh, those that reference, and even here it says that Joseph was a, a just man. He, he, he knew the law. He, he knew the ramifications of what Mary was facing and what he was facing. But yet, he, he had enough grace and mercy about himself that he realized that, look, I don't want her to face potential death. I don't want her to face public shame at the very least. And so we'll handle this where nobody really knows exactly what's going on. Now, I went to a school in Columbus, uh, to a private school in Columbus, where pretty much everybody that ran the town's kids went there. Okay? That that's, was kind of the nature of the school. And uh, uh, we had a young lady who was a year younger than me, and uh, when she was a sophomore in high school, she showed up pregnant. Right before school started her sophomore year. And so all of a sudden this young lady's not at school when school starts. And so of course those that weren't exactly sure of what was going on said, where's she at? Where'd she go? Like, she leave? Her parents are still in town because everybody kind of knew everybody. Her parents sent her to a boarding school up north. Where she spent that year. And at that boarding school she spent that year until she had that child. That child was placed up for adoption. And then no one ever said a word, no one asked a question. She showed up the next year and everything went on as if nothing had ever happened. Joseph would like for this to go away quietly like that. It gets quiet in here then, doesn't it? But we find his character in here not only in how he wants to deal with this and kind of put it away quietly and not shame Mary, but we also find his character even in how he responds to the angel. Because we find in his responding to the angel that ultimately he obeys what the angel tells him to do. It says that he refrained from sexual relations even until after the birth of Jesus. So even after he takes her as, as wife, he then to fulfill the, the prophecy of being born of a virgin... He still, it says, doesn't know his wife until after the birth of Jesus. Another thing that we see about the character of Joseph is that Joseph was a man who did not act hastily. Now, uh, I, I don't have a lot of patience. I'll admit that. And especially if there's a problem, and I feel like I can fix that problem pretty quickly. Here it tells us that Joseph has a, a plan, but then notice what else it says about Joseph. It says that, what? While he thought about these things. You got that? While he thought about these things. Now again, like I told you, I'm one of those guys that, hey, I see a problem, we can fix it, let's fix it while we wait and let's get this done, let's move on. There's some, there's some truth in here that we can apply to our lives. How many times have we potentially missed what God's trying to say to us and what God's trying to do with us because we act hastily and we don't think on these things. Tells you a lot about the character of Joseph. That he didn't just say, let's fix this. But he said, hey, here's a plan. I think I got a plan. But then yet he thought on those things. We also know of the character of Joseph that it sets up. 
for us the fact that Jesus would come through the lineage of David. As Joseph is called by the angel there, the son of David. Joseph, of course, being of the lineage of David, thus giving Jesus, uh, through his adopted earthly father, the, the right to the earthly throne of David. So here we see the circumstances surrounding Mary and Joseph. We see the character of Joseph. And then I want you to see here, thirdly today, the conception of Jesus. The conception of Jesus. Verse 20 says this in chapter 1. It says this. It says, uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 21 says this, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Guys, you can't get around the virgin birth. I want to say that again. You cannot get around the virgin birth. I'm going to say that one more time. You cannot get around the virgin birth. That's three times. That's a good number in the Bible, so we'll stop there. I could go to seven, right? Okay? Or 12. We'll stop at three. It's in the Scripture. It's there. And when you go and you look at the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14... And you recognize that here the birth of Jesus and what Matthew is sharing with us through his word is that, that ultimately that this prophecy would be fulfilled. You know, it's also when you start reading the book of Matthew because you realize the connection that, that Matthew had with the Old Testament and that Matthew understood the significance of those prophecies. As 16 different times in the book of Matthew, he uses the phrase that it might be fulfilled. Now, if you go back and read Isaiah, you know that King Ahaz was, was, was seeking salvation ultimately uh, in that prophecy. And that Judah was spared from Syria and Israel. But yet what we find here is not just the truth of the fact that, that, that Judah would be spared from Syria and Israel. But ultimately we find in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 a proclamation of who the Messiah would be. And how that he would then spare his people for all of eternity from the punishment of their sin. If you don't have the virgin birth, you don't have the divinity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And everything else falls apart. Now I understand, because I get on social media... That there have been guys recently that have made comments about the virgin birth. Some guys with really big names. And uh, I think what one guy in particular was trying to do was to say that if you saw the events of the cross and the resurrection, you couldn't help but believe the virgin birth. And I get that that's what he was trying to do. But we better be very careful when we speak about the birth of Jesus Christ, to lessen the significance or the importance of the virgin birth. Because without the virgin birth, everything else falls apart. The purity of Jesus was required 
for him to be the spotless and blameless lamb of God. I want to say that again. The purity of Jesus was required for him to be the spotless and blameless lamb of God. If you are going to see the birth through the lens of the cross and the resurrection, you can't help but to believe and understand in the virginity of Mary. If you are going to believe that Jesus Christ was enough to cover your sin and my sin, then you can't help but to believe that it is the Holy Spirit that conceived Jesus. We needed a pure, spotless Lamb of God. And everything that man had ever brought was not enough. So God had to send his own son. Jesus' conception then points us to his character. See, in verse 21, it tells us this about Jesus. It says, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Guys, it doesn't get any better than that. The fact that in the proclamation of the birth of Jesus Christ to Joseph, we see the fact that he will be the savior of the world. That word Jesus that we say in the English, if you take it back to the Hebrew and it's that word Yeshua, Guys, it's just a short, form of the, a short form of the word Joshua. And, and what that literally means and translates as is this. God saves and God delivers. You go to the Old Testament, and by the way, for anyone that says that the Old Testament isn't relevant, here we go, guys. You go to the Old Testament, and you see Joshua leading the people into the promised land, delivering them into the promised land out of the 40 years in the wilderness, and then you go to the New Testament, and you turn to the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God in his birth, and what we find there is his name's going to be Yeshua. We find there that his name is going to be God saves. We find there that his name is going to be God delivers. But we're not talking about some physical land in the land of Canaan. But now we are talking about his kingdom for all of eternity. Now we are talking about being delivered from our wages of sin. Now we are talking about the fact that it is his proclamation even of his birth to Joseph that points us to the reason for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the character of Jesus. He delivers. He saves. Not only do we see in his name that he delivers and that he saves, but and what his mission is ultimately, but we also see in his name his character in that it says that he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Man, there's so much here that you could unpack, and it gets so deep. We just like to tell the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, and, and it's very rare that we get in and we start really unpacking this stuff. Guys, this is big, because there's so many questions that the culture and the world has out there about what we believe and why we believe. And here, once again, there's another one. You want to talk about the divinity of Jesus and the, whether he was fully man and fully God and how he was both? Listen, I don't understand how he was both, but that's not my job to understand, because I'm not God. But I can believe it and trust it. And one of the reasons I know I can believe it and trust it is because here, even in his word, as his birth is proclaimed, 
we are told that he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Not a prophet with us. Not a good man with us. Not a teacher with us. But God with us. So when we see Jesus being born, when we see this information that Joseph has received, I want you to, to take a quick snapshot of before and after. I gave somebody a, a Christmas card. Uh, well, I gave our Sunday school teachers, uh, our student ministry teachers or whatever, a Christmas card. And, and, uh, and one of them said, hey, I need a picture of the after. Because the picture was from the summer when it was 45 pounds ago for me. And uh, so it looks very different, apparently. And, uh, and, and, and so I want to take a quick snapshot of before and after for Joseph for just a second, okay? Y'all got that? All right? Just stay with me. This is good. Can you imagine being Joseph when you're told that Mary is pregnant? And what went through his mind? We, we talked about that a little bit earlier, right? Now, let's fast forward this for just a second. Now let's get to the point where now it's not about... Mary being pregnant, but now you've had an angel show up in a dream and share with you that, listen, not only is your soon-to-be wife pregnant, but don't worry, she hadn't been running around on you. It's the first deep breath, right? Whew. By the way, his name's going to be Jesus. Joseph would have understood what that name meant. Oh, and, and by the way, his name's going to be Emmanuel. Well, that sounds good too, doesn't it? Oh, and, and, and on top of that, by the way, it's okay. Mary, Mary. All of a sudden, your perspective on this news that you just got changed, didn't it? Because what was viewed as potentially the worst news in Joseph's life up to that point, which would have changed his whole world from that point forward, he finds out it will change his whole world from that point forward, but for the best reason ever known to man. Because he's going to get to be the earthly father of the divine Son of God who has come to deliver his people. So it brings us to the question, what does Joseph do? Well, Joseph does three things. Well, first he was afraid. Clearly, that first bit of information he got uh, we also know he was clearly afraid because the angel said, what? <laughs> Do not be afraid. We know he awoke. Says he was aroused from his sleep. The news was so good it woke him up. And then we know he acted in obedience. Guys, here's the deal. The way this becomes applicable to us is not through Christmas parties. It's not through singing great carols. It's not through going to a Christmas Eve service, which, by the way, you should come to, or a Christmas Day service, which, by the way, you should come to. 4 o'clock Saturday, 12 o'clock Sunday. 
okay? Be great. See you here. The way this becomes applicable to us is this. Is there another slide, or is that it? Nope, that's it. It's okay, don't worry about it. The way that becomes applicable to us is this. By asking yourself the question, what are you going to do? What am I going to do with the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ? You may be afraid because you may know that God's calling you to do something you don't want to do. But will you act in obedience? You may be afraid because the circumstances surrounding your life right now seem even a whole lot worse than what Joseph and Mary may have been facing. But will you act in obedience? You may be afraid because you know right now that the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart and life and saying you need to come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't know exactly what all that means but you know it will mean a change in your life and you're not sure if you want to give in and allow that change and so you might be saying no. But will you act in obedience? You may be afraid because ultimately... You know that the Lord is calling you to share and proclaim this message with those around you. And you're afraid you may mess it up. You're afraid what your neighbor may think because your neighbor's seen you yelling at the kids in the yard. I never do that, right? Will you act in obedience? Can I tell you why? It really ought to be an easy answer. And why what this Christmas really ought to be is it ought to be a catalyst for all of us in our life to, to, to celebrate the birth of Jesus every day and not just one month out of the year. Let, let me tell you why. I, I want to take you back to when Mallory and I first found out that she was pregnant. We, uh, we said we're not going to tell our children yet because it was really early and we didn't want to you know, make sure everything's going to be okay, all this kind of stuff. You know how that goes. And uh, the problem is, is that Mallory very quickly after that started getting severely ill from a, yeah, you get it, morning sickness all day. So we said, actually I said, I'll take credit for this one, I said, Mallory, I think we need to tell the kids that you're not sick, that it's okay. Because if they start seeing you throw up every day around the house, we're going to have to explain something to them. She said, okay, so we brought the three kids in. We told them, let us go to the doctor in a week, and then we'll, we can, you can tell whoever you want to tell. I guess it's two weeks, about a week and a half, two weeks. So let, let us go. Okay, okay. So we tell them, look, here's the deal. We're having a baby. Madison, of course, is it a girl? We don't know yet. We just know we're having a baby. We want to start praying for this baby. We want to pray for your mama. Um, and uh, you can't tell anybody yet. Now look, for some of you, you're like, that'll never work. They live in a minister's home. They understand there's things that you can't tell. Y'all know what I mean? 
So we said, we got this. The problem is, apparently, over the last four years, there hadn't been too many of those things that Cooper knew about that he couldn't tell, I guess. <laughs> so some of you that are in the children's area, in the preschool area, found out much earlier than what we knew you found out. We, we have since found out. And about a week passed, and my parents were keeping them, and we specifically set Cooper down and said, do not tell Pops and Grandmama yet. They will blow it all over social media. Don't tell them. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And I get a text message from my dad. They'd been there like an hour. Is the news true? Are you serious? Story goes that my dad was sitting there, and out of nowhere, like out of nowhere, Cooper walks up and says, Pops, i got to tell you something. Pops, i got to tell you something. Pops, i got to tell you something. He says, what, Cooper, what? He says, Mommy's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And, and he looks at him and says, are you serious? And before he can get anything out of his mouth, Brady and Madison have said, Cooper, stop! <laughs> I almost knocked this over. Whew, scoot it back. And we couldn't get mad at Cooper because Cooper came home. And we said, Cooper, why don't you tell Pops and Grandmama? Who all have you told? And then he started telling us who all he told. <laughs> and he said these words. I can't help it, Daddy. It's so exciting. Why have we lost that? Why have we lost the excitement of Christmas in our life? Why aren't these altars filled every week? Why aren't we friends coming through the doors? Why isn't this baptistry filled every single week? Why can't we have the same excitement about the birth of Jesus Christ and what it means when we see it through the lens of the cross and the resurrection as my four-year-old son had about the impending birth of his soon-to-be little sister? I'll tell you why. Maybe it's because our walk with Christ isn't where it should be. Maybe it's because we've forgotten what Jesus saved us out of. Maybe it's because we've lost touch with him because we're not in constant communication with him through prayer. Maybe it's because devotional, what's that? Maybe it's because there's strife between you and another brother or sister in Christ. Maybe it's because we've allowed personalities or preferences 
to get in the way of what God's called us to do as a church and as a people. Guys, we have the greatest news that's ever been told. And we ought to be running around telling our friends, but I'm so excited, I can't help but to tell it. Bow your heads. Heads bowed.